0: Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by com. Let's skip the niceties this morning. I'm Josh. That's Nate. We're going to be talking about Wednesday's NBA slate here. We've got 10 games on the docket for you guys after a little five-gamer there on Tuesday. Uh, We are going to be running through best bets in this video. We also have play a props up as we do each and every day of this season. So go ahead and like and subscribe to that page and continue to follow along with us. Also want you to head to thelines.com and use everything that we have up on the site as you're making your bets this season, including that prop finder tool to uh, get the best juice available to you from all of these books that are giving us these bets in the NBA. Nate, let's go ahead and get right into your first best bet on the night. We're talking about Dame and then Blazers.
1: Yeah, it's the biggest narrative of the night. And I'm going to kind of go the other way and say, like, look, revenge goes both ways here. I, it, narrative, if you want. I mean, really, it's that I don't think you can trust the Bucs to cover 10 and a half on the road um, against Blazers team that's shown some fight lately. So Blazers plus 10.5 is is the bet here? I mean, the Blazers we thought were just going to tank as hard as they have the past two years when they were on that West Coast or, you know, road trip across the country and they lost every game by about 30. And then they came home and they got right and they started actually playing their veterans, including Malcolm Brogdon, most first and most importantly. And they have been far from a doormat. They've, they've actually gone six and one against the spread when they've had Brogdon in this nine game stretch. They've gone six and three. ATS overall, uh, six-best three-point defense. They're number one in that department in their last four. They're limiting second-chance points, about league average, in paint points, total points. Uh, but the offense is made up for it with Brogdon. Like we talk about all the time, they score like 10 more points per game almost with him in there, six more free throws per game, and it's just a professionally run offense. Obviously helps... Unlock guys like Jeremy Grant and Simons when they don't have to initiate all the time. When you have a professional point guard, Jay Grant has a 125 rating on offense his last six with Brogdon, who's posting great numbers across the board. Um 20 22 points, seven assists, 123 rating himself. Gonna highlight him in player props for sure, based on that. Cause he's going head to head with with Dame, who, you know, has been attacked for his defensive liabilities at times. And this Bucks defense. It's a new regime, and what we're seeing so far is sort of that old Bucks' uh, modus, which is you know limit three-point attempts, limiting limiting assists. Maybe we'll give up some some things in the paint. Maybe we'll foul too much, but it's it's too small sample size to say much. I mean, what we do know is this is the same personnel, and if you look at the larger sample size of January, they're 0-7 against the spread on the road, it's like 3-12 against the spread overall. They have, a one, they have a negative six net rating and a 122 defensive rating when they're on the road. Like this defense is just not good enough to put a team away that, you know, that that has actually reasonable talent across the board. Like if DeAndre Aiden brings it, if these guys are really motivated to say, you know, we're, we're, we're not going out like chumps on Dame's homecoming night. Uh, you know, I think Portland is, is live to win this game. To be honest, uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't put a big unit on it, but I'm just saying, like plus ten is fine.
0: May I interest you in a Portland Trailblazers Dallas Mavericks money line parlay for thirty five to one with a sprinkle? <laughs> maybe. No, I'm... I don't.
1: I don't think the Wolves are getting punked like that.
0: Yeah, maybe not in that one. Uh, there, there's a there's a cover possibility as people kept betting that one up. But I, I would agree. Um, I I was looking at the Blazers last night because. Uh, It's just been looking at back-to-back numbers when it's relevant, and they're one of the best teams on no rest this season, interestingly. Not that it's hyper-relevant here. I just thought it was really interesting that they've covered the spread like seven out of eight times that they've been on no rest. As one of the only teams, and in part, like, Brogdon's played in a bunch of those games, so we do talk about it all the time. He is... The difference maker for them without question, as I always say, the adult in the room for the team. So let's go to that Houston game that I might be missing something, but I don't think Houston should be two and a half point dogs at home against the Pelicans. And all of those statements are relevant here at home versus the Pelicans, not anywhere else. Uh, that's hyper relevant for the Houston Rockets. So plus two and a half, I'll go ahead and take them on, on that. Um basically like it's been a a, not necessarily a tale of two seasons, but they started out 12 and three at home and since then have gone five and five. Right. And they still have nice wins at home and they have some letdown losses really to some teams that they're better than. This is not one of those teams that I think is going to catch them by surprise. Um, And the Pellies have been so, so bad on defense lately, just giving up all of the three pointers, tons of three pointers. Um, and, And there are at least enough guys on this team that can take advantage of it. Now, Fred Van Fleet has been, absolutely abysmal uh, over the last like 10 games or so shooting 40% from the field, 27% from three. So they're going to need that because that is where their Pellies are giving up a lot of their points is CJ McCollum is not a good wing defender and he's getting taken advantage of uh, out on the wing and in the mid range and the extended mid range, et cetera. Uh, CJ has been punked above the break a bunch as they're giving up the most threes above the break right now um, in their last seven games as they've been just hemorrhaging points. So yeah, just everything's bad for them. They, they've interestingly, they've lost three in a row. They've won four of five, or excuse me, they've lost four of five now, um, and they haven't won two games in a row in 21 days now since they beat the, the lowly Warriors at the time, who were also injured uh, when they beat the crap out of them in Golden State, and they beat uh, the Kings before that on that little back-to-back in Sacramento in the Bay Area, and then after, other than that, they've beaten a, Luka, a Luka-less Dallas Mavericks team, the Charlotte Hornets, utah on the road who is also the charlotte hornets because that's how bad utah is on the road um so i'm not impressed by any of that they're gonna have to show me a lot more and what i always go to whenever i'm looking at this palace team is how are zion and brandon ingram playing when they're on the floor together and it's not good it's back to a minus eight and a half net rating in 140 plus minutes over this these last three weeks um which has been uh, more than seven games i keep saying seven games it's like 13 games um so 12 games but either way like the defensive rating at seventh uh seventh worst and the offensive rating at seventh best i do think we're going to see a few more points in this game which makes me a bit little bit more nervous because i would if this was a little bit more of a choppy slow it down and make it kind of gross kind of game i do think that favors the Dylan Brooks, and uh, and even at times like Alpy Shangoon, Jabari Smith, they are guys that like to get out and muck it up and get out into transition at home, at least, not on the road. So that is why I think we're seeing the points rise here. These two teams have played at like a 96 pace, playing uh, their games averaging, what, like 106-104, uh, then we got 104-101, and now we've got a total at 232.5. So no one believes in what we saw earlier in the season from these two teams. Um, and now we're all just going – Well, the Rockets are actually a bit better on offense than they were, and they're a bit worse on defense than they were, which sometimes goes hand in hand when you get better at offense, you get a little bit worse at defense. So I do support a bit, a few more points, uh, definitely more points than we've seen in this matchup this season in the two games. Um, But most importantly, like I think Houston can handle the handle business at home, limiting threes where the, the Pellies actually take them. Herb Jones is out. That's their best corner three point shooter that's where Houston is most vulnerable is in the corner three more so than anywhere else. So without Herb Jones, their corner three-point guy, maybe you see some Najee Marshall, but I don't like the, the, anything for the Pellys, especially with Herb Jones and the lack of defense that's going to be there without him.
1: Yeah. Total to me is the most interesting bet here in this game. I mean, it's been, it's moved up what, what from 229 to 232 because of the Herb Jones news. People are, you know, accounting for him, at least three points, I think you might still get an over here. I mean, it might be you know time for the New Orleans defense to re- return to its to its at least decent status, but probably not on a night where Herb is out. Um, yeah. And I, I I do think yeah. I mean they're they're right now just hemorrhaging points. So like this it seems like a pretty low total for against a Rockets team that's played suddenly very fast in their last two yeah. games. And you say like oh they might not be comfortable in a, an up and down game. Well they just Stomp the Lakers in that that type of game, and Shangoon is is showing himself to be All Star worthy. You know whether he was voted or not, like he is he is running that offense. True. So, and maybe we get some wow. more Cam Whitmore.
0: Cam Whitmore speeds everything up. To your point. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: the team I am going to ba- bank on bouncing back defensively is the Miami Heat, which has been okay. shockingly like the worst defense in the NBA for a five game stretch here. <laughs> Three of those in which they're trying to incorporate. Terry Rogier at the same time as they're getting their teeth kicked in by the Celtics again and just they hadn't really recovered. Maybe they were looking ahead at that game when they were playing Memphis, but whatever the case is, like they're home now. They've they've still gone under in five of the last six home games. And that's what I'm thinking here is you got the Road Kings sack at Miami. I'm going under 232. I actually kind of like this bet. A lot. I mean it, it, the the Road Kings are an incredibly under-trendy team, like eight and two in their last ten. The only overs at Golden State, you know how that rivalry goes. And at Milwaukee, we talked about with their rampant issues defensively and and, and shootouts that they played. They've gone under in all four other road games against Eastern Conference teams, allowing just one oh seven a game. In those games, they're they're much better defensively on the road and this heat offense. Still adjusting, trying to get Rozier back in there. Jaime Haquez finally got back in there. But now it's kind of a a crowded room, right? And it's a clunky offense. I mean, in these last six home games, under 104 per game um, and allowing under 110, playing at a 94 pace, that's that's heat ball, right? Um, And you get Bam on Domas, who's, you know, he's held him to under 15 points per game in his career against Bam. It it is a good matchup there. De'Aaron Fox has been awful in his career against Miami um 98 offensive rating, 18 points per game. He hasn't even been particularly good against Rogier, 21 points per game against Rogier and Charlotte in the last 8 and now there's obviously much better infrastructure behind Rogier and and coaching-wise, and there's uh you, you know, you account for the fact that he's younger and more spry than Kyle Lowry who would be in there otherwise on Fox like you definitely like that matchup defensively a lot more. Um, and as long as Rogier isn't like suddenly finding it offensively, that's that's where a lot of shots or possessions are going to go to die. Right. Is like Terry Rogier trying to figure out his place with this Miami offense. So just don't see a lot of points here. I think the, the trend will continue for unders for both these teams.
0: I concur. Yes, I like an under in this game for sure. Um, that, that's where I leaned in this uh, this one when I was looking at it as well. Um, you, you've got to get ahead of the curve. So you've got to have a little bit of uh, cojones to go, let me go ahead and just buck the trend entirely and go against what's been happening. That's what smart bettors do. That's what people do in the NFL every week as well, right? So if you if you think that you found the spot where it's a good opportunity to, to get ahead of that trend that's going to be bucked, then yeah, I'm fully with it. Um, we should throw it in there that the uh, Heat are the worst offense in the league as well. Kept mentioning the defense, they have scored 101.7 points per game in their last uh, seven games during this this losing streak, right? Um, so, yeah, that's why the Unders go there for them. The Unders go heavy for the uh, for the Kings. The, the thing is, the Unders haven't gone super heavy for the Heat because they've also been giving up a ton of points. But to your point, um, I think Jaime Hawkins might be off a minute's restriction. That's at least good for defense. He hasn't really figured out how to play alongside like Jimmy at the same time, to be honest. They kind of do the same exact thing. Um, Terry Rozier getting in there has also crowded things a ton. That has not been figured out. At all. Who could have assumed that Terry Rozier would just come in and start chucking shots like you don't tell Terry Rozier. Hey, you're here, man. Come on and shoot like you temper him from the jump. And th- they brought in a shooter because they're like, we need instant offense. It's like, yeah, I need to rethink that a little bit. But let me go ahead and close it out with uh, a game that nobody should watch. Don't do yourself that dishonest, that, that, that lack of favor. That's the Chicago Bulls. And they are taking on the Hornets on the second leg of a back-to-back after a bad loss to Toronto. I'm calling it a bad loss last night. That was chunky and gross for them um, to the Raptors, who are missing everybody. Now they come back about against these Hornets, and they they opened at two and a half favorites. So not really sure why. Like this, that's the only thing that scares you is like this is so. St- it's almost just like so stinky though that it comes back around to being like obvious. Like I've got to just take it and not worry about it. Um, Charlotte is probably not going to play Lamelo. He's doubtful. Gordon Hayward's still out. Mark Williams still out. Kyle Lowry's not suiting up for this team ever probably. I don't know why he would ever step foot on the floor for the Hornets. He'll be in a contenders uh, uniform before the the trade deadline's over. Um but for for Chicago, 1-5 in a row versus Charlotte. Please don't make me go through all the things about Charlotte and why they're the worst team in the league. Just go ahead and look it up. They're going to be in the bottom. Like go ahead and just filter everything to worst team in the league at everything, and it'll be there for you on defense. They're giving up tons of points uh, to centers. Vooch should eat, as he has in the past. They are uh, playing a lot slower, but really, this just comes down to their inability to score. They're going to be playing a Chicago team that, even if they don't go all out, they have the weapons to defend uh, Brandon Miller, and uh, to a degree, Miles Bridges, enough. That's going to be it. Like they're, they're not giving up much in the mid-range. They definitely don't give up much from three. Um, Brandon Miller is definitely a good dude, good at driving to the rim as well, and it has that incredible mid-range game. I don't think this is this is the matchup for him, obviously. Uh, there's there going to be a good amount of shutting him down on the perimeter as well. I don't think they'll throw... If they had Pat Williams, I think they'd put him directly on him, but they don't. And so I can see a lot more, uh, like, even Caruso taking him on the perimeter, especially with LaMelo Ball out. Like, you can just put whoever you want on him at this point without fear of too much else. Uh, there's no assist when LaMelo's in there. They score 104 points per game versus the 112. They score with him in there. Uh, they're playing at a 95 pace without LaMelo versus 90... Basically, 100, 99.6 with him, fewer free throws, fewer rebounds. Like, they're just bad worse overall. Uh, and for Chicago, uh, you know, not great on, a, on the back-to-back, as is nobody in the league. Uh, but this is just a situation that defies that. And I'm happy to take five points. Like, five, five or less is great in this matchup, even with Chicago on the back. I'm glad that we get the value because of the fact that they're on the back-to-back and haven't been good in these situations.
1: Yeah, Charlotte, you should say, is the worst team in the league when they don't have LaMelo Ball and when they don't have Gordon Hayward. And yeah, I mean, they were showing some fight for a little bit there, but now LaMelo listed as doubtful. They've got veterans in there, uh, including Gordo and and Lowry, who are either bio candidates or trade deadline movements. Uh, So, yeah, I I don't really see them showing much fight down the stretch. Like you said, they're they're in contention for the number one seed more than anything else. So. Uh, Bulls are are a try hard team, and uh, I think we can expect them to bounce back. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I almost like the fact that they lost last night to keep them a little bit more focused and probably keep guys in there. We don't know if Zach Levine or Pat Will are going to play for them, but if they do, that's also an additional bonus. So, Nate, let's go ahead and get into your first NBA best bet. We're going right back. Uh, not sorry, not best bet. Play a prop, but we are kicking best uh, play a props off the same way we kicked off best bets, which is a Dame Lillard conversation of sorts with the Blazers and the Bucks.
1: Yeah, it's the Blazers to cover and the biggest reason I feel is Malcolm Brogdon running that offense and and looking really good and and getting a matchup directly on Damian Lillard who is not not a plus defender and facing a Bucks defense that's been pretty bad in general, really bad on the road and is still trying to find its footing under a new coaching regime here, uh still the same personnel. So I don't I don't really trust them to to bring it as much as I trust Portland to come out with a spirited effort here on Dame's homecoming night. And I mean, regardless of who he's playing, like Brogdon isn't a guy who's going to get too high or low based on the situation. Like he's just going to go out there and, and give, you, give you the numbers. I mean, and he's been allowed to play since Portland came back from this road trip. He's got 36 minutes a game in his last six and he's given you... 21 points uh, along with seven assists. I think I just want to take the points in this matchup. 16 and a half. Um, it, it gets you minus 120 odds on most sites. Not great. I think you can tack on the PRA and go 27 and a half PRA if that feels better. Because, I mean, at home, he, he's doing everything better. Uh, they've had four home games in January, nine on the road where he's had just 19 PRA. But at home... 21 and a half points, six re- six rebounds, and seven assists. So cruising past this number. He played Milwaukee in in Milwaukee in November, had a 36% usage rate, and went 18, 8, and 12. Uh, so the, the the last three prior to that in a starting role against Dane, averaged 20 a game, went right at him. The Bucks defense is most vulnerable, you know, kind of in the mid range and in the paint it, it, lately. I mean, especially lately because they're limiting three point attempts, right? They're forcing you inside the arc forcing certain guys to to take the shots that they feel are, are the correct shots. But I mean, Brogdon that that makes me feel more comfortable about Brogdon. Like he he's the exactly the type of guy where like you run him off the three-point line. He's not thinking twice about going right down there in the paint. Where the Bucks are allowing the fifth most uh, paint points on the road, they're the fourth worst transition defense, and they allow the second highest percentage of their points off two-point field goals. So Brogdon just being aggressive um, and, and scoring is what I'm looking at here.
0: I like it. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to take anybody in this matchup, you ke- you keep kind of attacking Dame's weak, weak defense. Um, it's been bad. People have been making excuses for it. And it's, it's bad. It just is. And it's a huge reason for why they are um, where they are, essentially, which is so funny because what are they like, 32 and 14? <laughs> We're talking about them like everything's going wrong. But this is a, a total letdown spot for them. Um, and like you said, revenge goes both ways, baby. So let's get that narrative in there. Um, let's go ahead and look at back at that Pellys and Houston game. I think there's just some good value to find in there. And I'm taking an under with CJM, CJ McCollum there, who we've talked about in a positive light in the past. Uh, but this is not a good matchup for him. So he's gone under the rebounds and assists number in seven of his last 10. He's gone under in four of his last five. That's relevant, not because it's happened in whatever it's it, it's it's relevant because there's a direct reason for it. It's Zion and Brandon Ingram both playing the majority of those games um and they, uh, eight for for both of them at least um and then in the last five, Zion missed one of those games. That happens to be the only game that CJ McCollum went over this number for rebounds and assists was the one that Zion was in uh not playing for because everything drops for him when Zion is in there points and assists. Because it's point Zion, right? And CJ sort of plays point guard when it's not Zion's team. Uh, And then he plays a little bit uh, more off ball when it is Zion's team, as we know. Um, And and Malcolm, um, I mean, Malcolm, Brandon Ingram also uh, has essentially gone – the same way, like his assists and everything just skyrocket without Zion because Zion's so ball dominant, pass dominant, et cetera. So um, the, with Zion in the last five, he's only had six potential assists per game. That's why I really like the under on the assists at four and a half for, for, for some decent money. He hasn't hit this number uh, in those last five with Zion and the assists there. So they're, you know, it's directly correlated, like I said, the assists are the thing that definitely go down for him. And then the other thing is, this is just where Houston really limits things. There's a couple of reasons. One, they foul you. Uh, We always got to look at that. Like Houston's going to foul you and put you at the line and that's going to limit assists every time. Uh, That's actually a big reason they limit assists to the fourth fewest on the season is because of the fact that they give up so many free throws. Um, Shout out Dylan Brooks. That's going to be what happens when you got Dylan Brooks on your team. Um, And then by the way, the shenanigans the other night from him were ridiculous. He literally punched LeBron in the face. I'm not sure what that man is doing right now. He's on one, but uh, moving past that they limit point guards to the third fewest assists or excuse me, second fewest assists on the season. Um, and the 12th fewest points per game as well. So like the shots might be there a little bit more for CJ McCollum than, they, than the assist will. That is how I generally target guys who are like CJ or, or, or point guards, um, or gu- at least let's call them ball dominant guards who can score from the mid range and the three like that's not how you score against this Houston team because of the fact that they put Dylan Brooks on you and then he just follows you all around the floor and, and hounds you like that. And that's who he'll be on in this game is CJ McCollum. So um, I, I just don't like that matchup for him. They are limiting teams to the third fewest uh, overall, like I said, for the assists at home 23 per game that they're allowing versus 26 on the road. Both are very good numbers, um, but the 23 per game at home is very, very good. They have the uh, sixth best defensive field goal percentage against threes above the break. So Houston is, like I said, Dylan Brooks is out there owning that part of the floor as much as he can i I say owning he's also fouling so like you you can still get yours but you're not going to just get free shots from the top of the key which is where cj shoots All of his shots, eight of them, uh, eight of his three point attempts this season per game from above the three when he takes him there. So um, six and a half rather, but close, close. Either way, uh, I I don't like him to get the rebounds or assists without the potential assists and rebounds like he could trip and fall into some and then we we lose this bet. Um, But I I just I'm not going to assume that he's going to get him against a good rebounding team like
1: Houston at home. Yeah, this is a good call with with some deep dive research from you. Um, I I didn't, know, yeah, I didn't see the potential rebounds in there though. I want to know how low it is. They're high. Sure
0: They're high. They're high, Nate. High. I, I I left it out. I left it out on purpose because the the rebound chances for him over the last five games have been the third most on the team. Nine of them, but still only like three and a half boards. So just putting that out there.
1: So yeah, he's not getting contested rebounds, and now you go into a right. game a a bruising Houston Rockets team that you're not gonna. Have a dainty uh, old veteran guard get walk into easy rebounds. Like this is this isn't like some tank tank job young team that you're just gonna yeah like you said fall into some rebounds and and the assists yeah obviously did the legwork on that so yeah I think unless he suddenly gets uh, four or five rebounds like he's not getting over that number so on uh, board with that. Uh, my second pick here, Franz Wagner, 22.5 points in assists. It's only adding three assists to his 19.5 points prop, so I definitely think you want to add that against the Spurs here. His minutes limit is off, and even with a bit of a minutes limit to start you know, coming back from that ankle, he's averaging 17 points and five assists. Um, the Spurs are a team that I do believe in their defensive resurgence in their last three. I do not. If you look at even the last eight, including that three, uh, they're giving up uh, 123 and a half points per 100 possessions. They're giving up the fifth most points and assists to shooting guards. That's a total of 31 p- points and assists there. And on the season, they allow the third most assists per game at home and the fifth highest effective field goal percentage. I like Franz more than Paolo in this matchup because you you got to get stuff going towards the basket if you're Paolo necessarily. I mean Franz can can do that but he can mix it up i mean and, and i think wendy is starting to assert himself as a guy you don't want to go to the basket on and maybe they stick him on palo at times or maybe he's coming off in a help role uh but in any case like the this 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 magic duo has proven that they can score they just played a crazy high scoring game with dallas where franz had 27 points and assists i think he just stays hot against the team that, that just really has bad bad wing defense like wendy's really the only guy you worry about and i, I just don't think he's going to be bothering Franz.
0: Makes sense um, that if you do think there is any sort of rim protection that's that's enhanced for, for San Antonio, that this is where you would lean. I do think um, it's about getting ahead of, of this number, jumping up a bit, right? Like maybe up to about 24 and a half, 25 and a half or so um, for Franz as, as he gets back into the lineup in his normal minutes, like you said. So that would be what we're doing here. Um, I'm going to close it out. I've got a couple of strong leans, but my favorite one that I'm, I'm going to hit here is uh, Fred Van Fleet. To go over, and this is very simple. I'm just, I'm just getting ahead of the the turnaround for Fred, uh, who's had stretches of poor shooting like this. It's going to happen when, like, as g- he's good, he's slithery in terms of like dri- dribbling past people, but obviously he's like all of like five nine, um, so it's not like he has other weapons at his disposal when the shot isn't falling. So I think that's a big part of why you see Fred have these random points in the season throughout his career where he has these shooting slumps. So I'm going to go over because the points are down at 14 and a half. And they've been up as high as 18 and a half in the last like three weeks before this slump really kicked in for him. So I'm just going to get ahead of it because this is a situation where he should have some opportunities against CJ McCollum and that very weak above the break defense for the New Orleans Pelicans. Talked about it a little bit in the best bets video, because I do like Houston as home dogs in this one, strictly on principle. Like, I think they're a better team at home than the Pellies are when they're on the road in those situations. They have been um, and they can they can hang with the Pellies like I I would put their rosters up against each other, which is not something you might have said at the beginning of the season, Um, especially with the way that Brandon Ingram and uh, and Zion are playing poorly together. But this bet is about Fred Van Fleet and why we think this turnaround is going to start. He hasn't done well against this team either. In fact, this team helped kickstart this slump back on like December 23rd when these teams played. Uh, and he scored 10 points on that awful shooting of like 42-28 uh, splits from, from the field and from three. But this is just where they're vulnerable, and he's not. I don't think he's going to stop taking the shots because the volume is there. So that's what I'm following: is the volume of like ten threes per game. That well, it's been not. It's been about nine threes per game over the course of this this stretch of of shooting really poorly. But he's not stopping. He's not subsiding. Um, he's he's a, a, a basically a borderline, if not all star level point guard, at least when he was in the East, in a way that like. He's just he, he knows that he's responsible for, for getting shots up and that he is taking good shots. So I don't think that's going to dwindle. Like if he started to go on the slump and then started to dwindle it down to like five threes or maybe four or six because he's scared, then I would I would be like, okay, maybe he's like losing confidence here. But he, he does, can't even afford to lose confidence. He's the only guy that can really score from that part of the court. Jalen Green has proven that he cannot be your lead guard. If anything, he's an off-ball guard who you can play for like 27 minutes and feel comfortable with. I I, I do not like Jalen Green's game this, uh, this, these days. Uh, and I don't think he's improved at all. So I just think you have to rely on And Ime is a guy who, as you well know, as a Celtics fan, will not play you if he does not trust you. And he trusts Fred Van Fleet. So Fred Van Fleet's going to continue to get 33-ish minutes a game, no matter what. Uh, the last thing I'll say is, some of these point guards who are not necessarily Fred, well, you know, Kyrie's somewhat Fred Van Fleet-ish in terms of size, but not really the same level of game. Either way, there are plenty of point guards in the last uh, roughly week where New Orleans is hemorrhaging, just leaking just all of the points to the point guards because Kyrie did them dirty for like 42 and 33 in back-to-back games. Shai did them up for like 31. Steph did them up, did them dirty. Um, so, yeah, everybody who wants to score from deep, Steph would be the more comparable comparable guard for sure to FEV. And I do still think the archetype of player for slithery shooter is going to be able to get points against this Rockets team.
1: Against the Pels. Yeah. I, which no, I, I, Pels, yeah. I'm just baffled by how bad they've been defensively lately. I, oh, again, no. I come back to it and just, we talked about that with the, with the game and and you like the Rockets. I'm, I I mean, I'm leaning the over here with people who are betting this up cuz Herb Jones is out. It's just going to it's hard to imagine the Pels defense bouncing back in this spot on the road. They have been so inconsistent on the road. Um and and Fred Van Fleet, if you don't want to take the over uh for the total for the game, like yeah, just take Fred. Like he's he's going to hit some threes here in this in this matchup. He's going to get into the lane, get some floaters and be really the leader that the the Rockets need.
0: Yep, 100%. So bring us home, Fred. Fred, let's have a good night here on Wednesday in these play of props, as that's all the time we have for you. Continue to follow along by subscribing to that page and checking out the Best Bets video that we also have up today as we do each and every weekday. And until we see you next, happy betting.